Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Phil, a depressed dentist whose life is falling apart, is shocked when one of his patients, a man who seemed to have the perfect life, kills himself. Determined to find out what would drive a man who had everything to end his life, Phil pretends to be a handyman and ingratiates himself into the dead man's life, befriending his wife and daughter. How long can Phil keep up this double life when he is already ready to end his normal one? And with that, we're joined by the director, executive producer of this terrific new film called Phil, and that would be Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Tell me a little bit about the project, Phil, and how you uh, how it came to you, uh, working with Steve Mazur, the, the writer. How did you decide you wanted to take your first foray into the world of directing? Well, I had, uh, had not directed before and and just over the years um had always some interest in that just you know having a a richer voice in the storytelling process i mean obviously as an actor you you're part of all that storytelling but this just seemed obviously it's a it's a deeper role and and I, i had interest in it and over the years there were a couple things that i kind of butted up to but just didn't seem right and I, I even did a few table readings and would just walk away going no that's that's just not it and uh i just i don't know i just never quite connected and i um, was brought uh this this uh, script the steven mazer script by uh by a producer and i i really was quite taken with it, it you know just from the get-go it was strangely it was a very oddball story but it was a it was a sperming story sort of framed in the world of death and and I was so surprised by that the, the subject matter you know kind of scared the hell out of me but I thought wow if you could tiptoe through the two tones of this it, it would really be a challenge and and I, and I felt like a, a I could at least feel like a, an original thing and I and this all was happening at a time where I just kept feeling like with the social media around us, I do not have a social media footprint. Any Greg Kinnear things you read are not from Greg Kinnear, but uh, but I know all my friends got it and my kids got it and I see this stuff out there and it's it, there's an element to it where I feel like everybody's looking at the the lives around them, these fabulous, wonderful, great lives that are taking place <laughs> all around you through the through this you know prism of social media and, and here was a story about this guy who is obviously uh, depressed and feeling like he he was looking into the eyes of a person who had everything everything to live for and ultimately that, that person ends up taking their own life and and sends Phil on this incredible kind of journey and this mystery is to find out why and I, I guess just all those ideas kind of were were things that I was attracted to and, and interested in, and, and Stephen had done a, a really good job of, of creating this uh, this world, and was nice enough to let me come in, and we we worked on the script for quite a while, and uh, and then we finally there was a little window to shoot, and the good thing about having um, when you're directing when you have an actor, my actor was Greg Kinnear, and I was able <laughs> to just 
slap him upside the head <laughs> and uh, make him be make him be wherever I needed him to be whenever I needed him to be there. Uh, you know, not asking any questions, and so uh, that part helped a lot because logistically, you know, there's a lot of actors in this, very busy, successful actors. You know, Emily Mortimer and, and Robert Forrester, Luke Wilson. Um, Bradley Whitford and, and Taylor Schilling. There's a bu- bunch of really great actors, and and to make all of that work, you know, there was a logistics element to it. So that was that was ultimately helpful. But that, that was those were the things that kind of pulled me in. What was there any uh, trepidation on your part to do both, you know, direct and act in, or did you, you? It sounds like you felt very comfortable with the material from the get go, but. Uh, in, in, I'm just kind of curious for you, who's been in front of the camera for as long as you have, what was that, that working out that dual role for yourself on set? How did that feel for you? Yeah, I guess, you know what, I was uh, just naive and stupid enough <laughs> to uh, not ask enough questions about how difficult it would be. Spoiler alert, very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Um, you know, doing doing both is uh, is, a, is a schizophrenic enterprise, and and kind of calls on a lot of a lot of things. And and uh, I didn't think it would be easy, but it was it was definitely really really difficult for for a lot of reasons. You know, once you get through it, it you know, and get out to the other side, you're you know, it's it's thrilling and really you know exciting to kind of have been able to with the kind of clarity of the idea you had, shape it into what you wanted it to be. It was, it was a lot. Uh, I was warned by a few friends in fairness before I went on this journey. And, uh, Hey man, I didn't listen. What can I tell you? I'm not a good listener. <laughs> well, uh, well, I, and, and I don't know if this is uh, uh, too far into the weeds of what you did as a director and as an actor, but if at all, did it, alter or change your perception of your performance as you're watching the dailies or if you're or, or i assume you did watch dailies but uh, that did that somehow sharpen your focus as as an actor how or did it i mean did it change any of the way that you went about your performance as phil in the film well you know i i felt like um Boy, I really feel like the homework was done before I got on the set for okay. that. I did feel like I I had a, a good sense of who this this man was and the difficulty he was going through and the and the journey he was on and I and I think it was having the the luxury of, of a year, you know, truthfully, a lot of times I, I'll do a movie and, and uh you know, we get sent a script and we're starting in uh I've had things where they're starting in three weeks and I've had things starting three months, but rarely, rarely have I given something where it's a year before and, and it's going through it and tweaking it and adjusting it. And so I felt like that process really let me into the performance so that, you know, once we were going, I just kind of went with, uh, I get, I was just at instinct at that point. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, John Bailey was my, uh, being a director of photographer, John had shot me in as good as it gets. And so we had a, you know, we had worked together and I'd kind of sidle up to him and kind of look at him and he's not the most effusive guy. He'd give me kind of a slight nod, like, yeah, that'll work. (laughs) 
So I, I guess that helped. You know, that helped, and yeah. I and I had some great actors to work off of, yes, which, which did. made the job a lot yeah. easier. Well, and not to diminish the the roles of all the other uh, on set people, but I I keep hearing over and over after all these uh, many years of uh, interviewing directors. Your relationship with your DP is uh, maybe certainly uh, the most important on set um, relationship you have, and having that ability you work with him in the past, sort of having that shorthand, that ability to understand w- what each are, of you are looking for in 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 doing a project, is incredibly important. and And it's shot beautifully, by the way. I I, I did want to compliment the the look yeah. of the film. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the film itself I, again. You mentioned this wonderful cast: Emily Mortimer. Uh, Jay Duplass, uh, uh, Kurt Fuller, Luke Wilson, Bradley Whitford, and uh, Taylor Schilling. Uh, it's a wonderful cast and uh, a very warm film, even though, as you said at the beginning of our interview, how this is a material about someone dying, a uh, death, suicide, but it's the, it's the inherent warmth of the characters and of their performances that are your how you're able to navigate that tonal uh, quality that you were looking for in there? Um, I don't know if I have a question. I just feel like it, that that's an important thing for this film, for Phil, to be able to have those performances reinforce the notions that I think you're going for in the film. Absolutely, yeah. And in that sense, we were very fortunate to have that that particular group of actors because you know you talk about bringing warmth and you talk about like kind of. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a heartbeat of some humanity running through it, and and you needed people who just inherently have that. That's like a quality that you can't act that. It just you know you have to populate it correctly. And Mary Vernu is a wonderful casting agent, are incredibly helpful in in uh, in getting you know those people. And some of them would fly up for uh, two days, and then they'd have to fly back up to Canada uh, two weeks later. And I I owe everybody lots of favors. Uh, for years to come, but um, what are you going to do? Yeah, well, and uh, what's such an important role? They're all all of them are important, but I, you know, sort of the kick off this the the film with Bradley Whitford as uh, as this man with everything uh, going for him, and and we don't see much beyond that in terms of his life. Everything appears to be great, and then Emily Mortimer, who plays uh, his wife in the film, again, these are the for me the two key uh, performances in the film, and they're both terrific in it. Uh, Emily has a sort of a difficult role of finding that, finding that, uh, that part of the, the character where she's, where she's obviously sympathetic for what's happened, but she's also a dynamic part of the telling of the story. What, what were you, in terms of your instructions to your actors, in, if you want to single out one or, or more in terms of specific uh, sort of notes that you were, you were t- going for, but what were you looking for in Emily and her performance in the, in the film? Well, I mean, Emily, you're right, had a difficult job in, in the sense that we, we, I didn't want to make her completely clueless. I mean, the audience is in on what's happening, and she's not. It's such a tricky thing where... I just felt like very quickly lose the audience into an eye roll. Like, why doesn't she know? You know, <laughs> what, what, is she dumb? Yeah. And and she definitely is real work. And, and I think Emily was quite surprised when she got into the movie and into the role. Suddenly it was, you know, two questions led to 20 questions, all good ones. And, you know, sometimes I had answers and sometimes we had to kind of feel it out together. But there there was a real tone 
thing happening where you wanted to take the audience on this ride, and if if she's not smart enough to be you know watching and kind of being attentive to what's going on around her, you know we lose them, and yet at the same time you have to believe that Phil has been able to kind of truthfully enter her life. This this guy who's basically pulling off a total charade and 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 basically you know has built this house of cards has got to be plausible, and and that a lot of that relied on her and and i didn't realize that until we got onto the set and then all of a sudden that was like whoa boy so again i i guess that you know in terms of tone was was kind of tricky and um and that thing's going on throughout the movie it's kind of this you know there's a there is a little cat and mouse thing it's funny and it's fun but you know there there is the sense that this thing is going to or could implode at any given moment and and then that was the last thing is that you know there's a there's a nefarious you know you could look at this movie and think wow what this guy is doing this kind of fraud he's perpetrating is really cross the red line here mm-hmm. and and yet if you sense that in the movie I think you lose the kind of um, the kind of uh, you know whatever magic we have in the film kind of goes away because um, you, you certainly don't want to fear you don't want to feel like like he's um, he's a bad guy or he's doing this for nefarious reasons. And, and obviously over the years I've seen this movie before where, you know, people are conducting a bit of a charade in order to reach some sort of answer on something or to try and get something. But what was good about this was indifferent, I think, was that, that you know, he, Phil's not looking for some selfish He's not trying to enrich himself. He's not trying to get right. a life insurance policy. Right. He's literally trying to save his life. It's... And and I think um, you know the audience forgives is seems to forgive him for that because of the stakes for him in the story. Right. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Greg Kinnear. He's the director of a new film called Phil. It's coming out on July fifth. And look for it in theaters, on digital, and on demand. As, uh, and um, yes, and you're right. Phil is—he is going through this existential crisis in his own life. He has, on the surface, his business is doing well. He's a dentist. He's doing well. He's going through. A, he's been through a divorce. There's some issues in, within his family. So he, we, we get this backstory of a man who is searching. He's he's almost pleading for uh, his own life. It, it certainly, we get that sense of he, he he just wants to be happier and happy, and he meets this man who has, seems to have it all. And he does have it all, but, it, but we don't know the internal, we don't understand the human psyche to the point where we know everything we should know about somebody, including uh, this man who, who tragically decides to, to, to terminate his own life. And there's enough of the story around the circumstances of this that there is an element of mystery throughout the film, and that's sort of the that is the the mystery why, why why did he end up uh, taking his own life? And uh, so, yeah, yeah, that's a, I agree. That's the central question of it, and 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 I think that the uh, um, the why is is something for, for anybody who's been touched by by that issue, you know, suicide. I, I think quite often that that does. Can quite often become the question that comes out of that, and there are people, certainly, by the way, in my business, who really have, have been some real head scratchers over the years. Where you're like, how, why? They, you know, seemingly have so many things going for them, and I, 
and I think there is a a real search for that. And it's interesting the way that the movie resolves. We get. I don't want to tell your listeners, you know, kind of where it goes, but we get right up to the question of, well, what was the why? Right. You know, what was what's the reason for this? And it it involves a letter. And I'll just say that yeah. it, it it's left uh, kind of remarkably. Uh, well, maybe it's resolved, maybe it's not. Right, 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 and uh, uh, yeah, and you're absolutely right. And and again, that's okay. It's 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 okay that we don't know all the answers. It's the mystery that keeps us in uh, one level. It keeps us moving through the story and and and, and investing in that story as well. Uh, and he plays. I, I forgot to mention his character is Michael Fisk. He's the the man with everything, and you know, seemingly nothing, everything to lose. You've worked with some of the finest directors in in uh, motion pictures. Have you worked with James Brooks? You've worked with uh, Ira Sachs, uh, um, uh, Sidney Pollack. Uh, so, is there somebody that you've worked with in terms of your approach to directing uh, that you would say, or you? This is they've made the kind of movies uh, that I want to make. I've I just, by the way, before you answer that question, I thought uh, Little Men was an absolute gem of a film, and I thought your performance, everyone's performance, your performance was really a, a work of art. Uh, and Ira seems to draw that out of his uh, his actors, but you, you just wonderful, wonderful film. But um, tell me if there is an, a, a director yeah. in, in your past that you felt like you you have an affinity for in terms of your style or the way you approached it. Uh, well, actually, Ira, it's funny you mentioned Ira Sachs because he just had the movie Frankie, which is follow his follow-up to Little Men, which I, I play a, a small role in. He was just in Cannes at competition with that. And Ira was nice enough to watch kind of this movie in its very early form, and he was uh, somebody who offered... Uh, you know, little guidance on it, as did Sam Raimi. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to have a few friends uh, that I've worked with over the years who were, uh, uh, you know, good enough to kind of lend an eyeball uh, to the the process. But, you know, I I don't, you know, obviously Richard Linkletter, I've worked with a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And and what a, you know, these these guys are so good. They're they're just such gifted artists. I it's not like I, I tr- I'm aspiring to try to uh, to be a d- certain kind of director when I did this. It re- really wasn't that. I, mm. I felt like I had a real connection to this story, and I felt like the you know and a, a different kind of challenge than the ones I faced as an actor to 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 direct it. Obviously, and and that opportunity presented itself through um, Braun Studios, who's the ones who funded it, and they were nice enough to. You know, let me t- take a shot with me, and uh, um, Aaron Gilbert and the the gang over there let me let me do it, and I'm I'm appreciative of that. And mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, I I wasn't trying to be anything other than truthful to the story, and I, I wanted a simplicity with the final product. Mm-hmm. I felt like I I not lots of camera moves and ins and outs and all that, just not my comfort zone. And I, so I wanted a a, a simplicity that allowed you to go into the actors and and to follow these actors throughout the story and and to try and stay out of anything that was too distracting and and avoid distractions. But, 
Yeah. So that was kind of yeah. I think I think what you just described would have been too busy for a for a story like this. That that would have I think you, this is the t- again goes back to tone. Uh, well, I, just in the last minute I have with you, I, I just want to let our audience know that you are uh, you have a certain um, style of acting, or you bring s- this element to your to most of your roles. And, and I call it a natural performer. You feel, I know it's hard work. That that natural feel is a lot of hard work. But uh, I think of some of my favorite films that, that you've been in are like Autofocus, um, uh, The Matador I loved. Obviously, Little Miss Sunshine, what a wonderful role you had in that. Uh, and I like Baby Mama. I don't care what anybody says. I, I thought that was a wonderful film. <laughs> I thought you were great. I don't know why it hasn't gotten the run it deserved. But anyway, there's just so many of these films as good as it gets. And But it's this sort of natural quality, this sort of inviting your characters almost always feel like I'm being invited into your interior and to, and to in, a, in a way that it feels comfortable. And I, I just, I really appreciate your, your, you. your acting and the, and, and the way you go about it, uh, Greg. So, uh, well, thank you very much. I yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Well, with that, I'm going to say goodbye and let you know that, to let our audience know that the film is called Phil. It comes out on July 5th. It's out in theaters, digital, on demand. And uh, right behind that, later uh, coming up, will be, as you mentioned, uh, Frankie, the Iris Sachs project, to be uh, determined when that will be out. But I, I want to let people know that they can see you in Phil and, and in Frankie and, as well. And anything else? And I'll tell you another. Can I just can I can I say one other thing, which is uh, on on August ninth, a uh, movie called Brian Banks, Tom Shadyac directed it. It's an incredible story about um, this football player and out of uh, Long Beach who was wrongly accused of something and his kind of fight back. And it's with Aldous Hodge, who's incredible, and Morgan Freeman, and it's it's a great little film, and I'm I'm really proud of it. It's called Brian Banks. Oh, fantastic, Brad! Yeah, Tom was on the show for his documentary, and I'm uh, what was the name of it uh, that he? Oh, did? great, great! Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm such a fan. He was so great in this man. He was he was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm just blanking out on, on that film, but he was wonderful. I mean, this doc, I am was the documentary. It was kind of his goodbye to the, right. the goodbye to the world of show business, and he was out on a spiritual journey. I just loved the film, and I loved the fact that he was uh, he, he's just a great guy. Absolutely, I can believe. It'd be, a, it'd be a joy to work with. So, uh, well, well, Greg Kinnear, thank you. This has been an honor. I have a true privilege okay. to have you on the show. So I appreciate it. Again, thank you so Thanks, much. Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.